Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Welcome, Wendy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks. We had fun on New Year's Day itself today, uh, this year, because we did a workshop that was about New Year's and about sort of taking to challenge the uh, notion of having a resolution, which, by the way, I've seen a lot of people were doing that. A lot of people were sort of, if not outright arguing with, sort of pushing aside the idea of a resolution for this year and rather looking at ways they could live better. Our, our spin on that was uh, thanks to the recommendation of the head of Ascend Center, Malia Marzolo, who suggested that we do something based on drishti. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, people might be experiencing a little bit of resolution burnout. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the idea of um, working with, like, doing your practice and letting go of your, like, preconceptions around what that's going to get you. Yeah. Like, all these big aspirations of, like, you know, it's going to be the greatest year ever and I'm going to win a million dollars or whatever. Um, or I'm going to make a million dollars. Yeah, one way or the other. Um, anyway. Well, I think that's more common that people say, this is the year I'm going to manifest yeah. what I want. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting to think about the, you know, that somehow that that idea of yoga and how yoga works um like how did it become this manifesting machine mm -hmm. and in our minds at least you know that it's it's much more uh, subtly powerful to think of it the other way where you're you're sort of putting your attention on something that's real and then kind of staying with that intention as you go through your your year yeah like perseverance is a good thing. Perseverance is a, is definitely a way to think about it, but also course correction. Yeah. You know, just like, because we get pulled in different directions and the mind wants to tell us what's what it thinks is going to keep us safe and do the right thing or whatever our preconceptions are. But really what's happening is if, you know, if you have your intention right, then that has to be what's kind of leading you in a direction that is the happening in the real world, you know, and that right. like accounts for different choices that you make and different ways that you respond to things or, you know, sometimes unconsciously react. And yeah, so I think it's time for, you know, shifting the, the, the focus, mm -hmm. you know, there's, yeah, yeah, I, 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 um, I elaborated a little bit on this notion of drishti 
which means literally focus, right? Where you put your focus. Um, and it's used in asana practice where you're doing a posture and you're told where to put your visual attention sometimes for different outcomes. Um, like in a back bend, if you're looking up, as you're also arching up, you tend to over flex. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take your drishti down your nose as your head is leaning up, you then lengthen the back of your neck, which creates a more easeful alignment in the cervical spine. Yeah. So there's a way to use drishti in asana, but for our purposes, we were talking about what are you looking at and how are you looking at things? And I, um, uh, I slash you and I s- sort of worked with this notion of when you're looking in the right way, not just what am I looking at, but when I'm looking in the right way, it can bring about a clarity of seeing, which you you said in the workshop was my favorite word, viveka, right? To see things as they actually are. And to me, this is such a huge goal and tool, like to to be able to see things as they actually are, lets you move from a place of truth lets you move from a place of what is yeah as opposed to moving from your own story about what is yeah which as we all know if you've ever encountered anybody who's sort of out of their mind for a moment it could be all over the place yeah well this you know the the, that jives with sort of my thought about it which is that you know the idea of the drishti as a as where we put our focus, we have a very, I would say, like, highly caffeinated idea about focus. It's like, if, if you pay attention to this thing, and you want it really, really badly, it will come about, is a different idea than, it might be the same thing, the same practice, you're still doing the same thing with your eyes or with your gaze. But, um, you know, if you come at it with a different energy, which is how am I, you know, am I like going laser focus on one thing and that's my only approach? Or am I placing a gaze that has some peripheral vision and is more spacious and that shifts the brain uh, the way the brain is receiving and, and processing into a more like has has a little more clarity to it, has a little bit more um, ability to like focus, unfocus, focus, refocus, um, which in other realms is called resilience, resilience. resiliency. Yeah, yeah I mean, when, you know? and the most like just an obvious practical <clears throat> outcome from that, which maybe will give folks a chance to get a handle around what we're talking about mm-hmm. as we talk about it in a little more esoteric way is when you are laser focused on one thing, you miss what's going on around that might suggest another route, another path, or even well, another, another goal like, altogether. Yeah, exactly. Or, or another, um, you know, you know, sometimes we kind of like have a, we have a, a goal and we have our focus on that goal. And then what happens is when there's a roadblock, we go, oh, shoot, 
that didn't work. And then maybe we have all kinds of like reactions, emotional reactions to that. Like it didn't work. It never works. I'm whatever. I'm, I'm right. cursed or blessed. And Pick your poison. Is out the and window. then you're not seeing what was around you in the first place and how you might have responded differently. And so, you know, I, the idea of like setting your intention to have a more resilient, spacious, clear way of responding to the world around your intention becomes really powerful. And, you know, for me, it does go back to the very, very yogic idea of abhyasa and vairagya, which is this idea that you just have to have this persistence about keeping, you know, bringing focus and bringing focus and bringing it back again when it goes off, that there's no judgment about it when it's quote, not working, because that's just part of what is. And you just have to keep coming back to this idea of focus, let it go. Focus, let it go. And you keep doing that until forever. You just, yeah, and you find forever. out what's happening. That's the, that's the thing too. It's like so often I, um, I hear people talk, whether it's online or in a Instagram or in their own personal sort of wishing that things are going to get the way you want them and then life will be good from that point on. Like it's this fixed state yeah. of nirvana. Yeah, you know? yeah, in, in life. Whereas more and more and more, it's clear to me that your life is the time for you to work on the things that you want to understand in other words that you're not working on getting objects or getting circumstances or getting pay levels you're working on being able to deal with whatever life brings your way yeah and those those things that come i mean we we've, we've been you know hearing this and talking about this for so long but the, those things that come are more like the um They just are kind of like accumulation of stuff surrounding how it is that you're acting in the world. Yeah. You know, it doesn't. You know, well, they, the, the, like they're, they're not outcomes. They're karmic outcomes. They're 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 not the focus. Uh, you know, that right. we mistake the the that the things that we want. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I just lost my ability to describe because I just got a whole picture well, we, of it. Yeah, you know? we were just I, we were just listening to this um, podcast the other day from um, someone, and I'm going to have to look it up and put it in the show notes who it was. But he was talking about the importance of um, ex uh, acceptance in relationship to self-esteem mm. that we have this, there's been this like crusade over the past couple of decades that you have to help people improve their self-esteem. But his, his, his findings are that it's not the self-esteem per se that matters, it's the acceptance in your group, because we as humans, as, as apes, right, 
want group acceptance and we will do a lot for that and we feel safe when we have that and we feel more and more satisfied when we have that. And he said that this focus on um, self-esteem is a little bit like mistaking the gauge for the actual thing that you're interested in because self-esteem is a reflection of how much you feel accepted in your group. So um, in the same way, it's like the things that come about in our life, these karmic outcomes of things are just sort of the, the currency of life. You just yeah. have those things, but your ability to be content or be uh, feel accepted and feel like you are a part of life and not always battling life, yeah. it doesn't have to do with those things. The poorest person can feel more uh, contented than the richest. So even Jesus in the gospel is reported to have said, it's like impossible for a rich person <laughs> to get yeah. this, right? Because yeah. they're too attached to their but stuff. That, you know, there's also something, I mean, this is a little going probably in a different direction from where we were at our New, new Year's yes. moment. But, um, you know, this idea of acceptance, it's also an inner thing. It's not just an outer thing. So plenty of times people are, you know, circulating in their milieu, their world or their their friend group or their family group, and they don't feel accepted or they don't feel acceptance. They don't feel friendly towards their own experience in within that setting. And, um, and they, and they can't, and they literally can't feel that what they're looking for is already there. They just have to be in it and experience it more, more fully. And I think that's that inner and outer relationship of like, you know, and then, and then comes like that, the feelings of self-worth and the feelings of being in the right place at the right time and of, you know, purpose, um, or, you know, you know, kind of seeking an intention that it, the relationship between inner and outer is really, really, really important. And it's sometimes a little bit more elusive than, um, you know, just, um, you know, what you see on the surface or what you might judge on the surface and yeah and that's you know that's really important too but um uh, yeah it's 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 a really it's a really big question with regard to like what am i trying to manifest this year you know maybe we could i i feel like we have to have a reset in a way of of what those things that we're reaching for are, you know, maybe if we're looking for it outside, we could start with looking for it inside and then just kind of turn your gaze, that drishti in and out, you know, like I'm focusing on doing something inside, but I'm looking for the resonance of that intention on the outside, right? Yeah. Within yeah. my group or within my work or within my family. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should say, that this isn't something that you know yoga teachers have mastered like we are all suffering from challenges to self-esteem and, and challenges to feeling acceptance in our circumstances and whatnot and 
you know, the, the thing we see on the outside is not always a one-to-one correlation with how well we're doing in anything else. And yet those are the goals. That is the practice, right? So right. much of it is it's a practice of right. trying to get clear, trying to feel on the inside, allow for what's on the outside. You know, it's so funny because um, I, I often start with people when I'm especially teaching in a group, just sort of describing yoga as a practice and that, you know, it's something that we have an intention around and then we sort of make a commitment to staying with that intention and doing things that are in alignment with that intention. And the practice is doing that, is just trying, right? Mm -hmm. The practice isn't winning, what we imagined it to be. The practice right. is just taking your drishti, your gaze, your intention, and bringing it back to the thing that you're focusing on repeatedly. And, you know, I think that's what you're saying. Like, we mistake the one thing for the other. We mistake the karmic um, result for the practice. Right. And, you know, I'm often a little bit floored at how much uh, in our culture – cultures maybe we don't think that way mm-hmm. you know it's like it's it, it it's i'm not i don't experience as a as a yoga teacher who's really drunk the kool-aid for so long i don't experience you know winning the prize of mastery all the time but what i do is you know walk around thinking okay so something's off here how do i bring it back to my intention mm-hmm. and that you know, sometimes has big results and sometimes just feeds back into my sense of well-being, which right. is what you're talking about. Right, right, and yeah, and and you know, I I I think you know, in the past decade, there's also been well, maybe even maybe even in the past century, there's been a lot of this feeling that we individually have to do the things that will change everything on the outside as well because we sense so much evil or challenge on the outside probably because we're aware of it you know like yeah. in in previous centuries it was harder to know what was going on everywhere but now we have such access to knowing what's going on everywhere and we we see something and we go that needs to be changed that needs to be fixed or else the world is messed up not knowing that well the world has always been exactly like this with all of these karmic things that happen because so many people so many beings so many forces are at work in the universe from the moment of the big bang which we got to watch a demonstration of on that tv show the other day but all of that is going through and we are just like one subatomic particle of all of that karma yeah. So our ability to make changes in the exterior expression of all of this is teensy, well, you know teensy. the ex- you know if if we sort of follow through with what we're talking about, then those those big even those big changes are the karmic result of the inner work right. that people collectively are doing. Mm-hmm. So you know the relationship between the inner work individually and the inner work collectively also then becomes a big deal because the 
you know, I, I almost kind of at this point see it as like critical mass, yeah. you know, and the critical mass of unconscious behavior collectively is enormous. And individually, we can't figure out how to get around that, how to engage with that in any way, Mm -hmm. oftentimes. And so it, I think, has to come back to doing work individually and finding resonance with your smaller, you know, sort of groups that you can have actual contact with. Right. And, you know, we see that in, you know, I don't know, I think like, you know, yoga studios, knitting circles, book clubs. Uh, you know, talking groups, talking groups, groups. Yeah, yeah, like things where there's actual contact, you know, potluck yeah. groups. Um, and it's as well as bigger groups where there, there's a chance it's not just people yelling at each other. Yeah, I mean, can you that, say more about that? Well, just like if there's an organization that's trying to, you know, make change or educate people, I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of that. You know, no, like nothing move wrong with on. It. But you see, but instance. you see a lot of, you know, fighting in yeah. in certain types of institutions, like right now, universities with right. the, with the various wars going on, and right. you know, political groups. Like, I think politics is a field where you see some of the strife. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting to gather around things that aren't charged. Because then you can you can bring in the yoga as I see it through just sort of everyday interactions. That's my personal bent because whatever that that's personal. I think it's per, that's a personal thing. But anyway, back to the yeah. conversation. Well, I mean, I think that you're right because because politics is a, a realm of. Um, negotiation or friction like people who disagree with each other trying to come to a resolution you know you're going to have you have different intentions people are trying to win in different ways it's like like the best of it is debate yeah old school debate. yeah and there used there there probably never was so much good good faith discussion of what would be the right thing to do or what would be the thing that would serve the most people because people want what's best for them in those kinds of situations. But, you know, and so we have to try to live with that as well. And it's a little bit sad to see so many people whose idealistic inclinations are taking them out of that altogether. I I find it uh, concerning that, with, there's a sort of all or nothing relationship yeah. with that because the world is not an all or nothing place. So in a way, when you, your idealism pulls you out of the conversation, you're simply reinforcing the fact that it's a black or white situation. Right. Well, I mean, and that does bring us back in a funny way to like the shifting your gate, your perspective, shifting your gaze to a wider, like sometimes we have to um, zoom out enough to be able to take in all of what is in a given situation. Yeah. And um, sometimes we zoom out in not so great ways, like we disassociate. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's because it's not safe inside of the thing that's happening, the what is. So 
but we we kind of have to learn to do that that shifting because you know if you can zoom out and see what's happening in the you know in the land of what isness then when you come back into your particular focus you're more informed and i don't know i just keep thinking of like you know the holiday dinner table it's not about politics it's not about ironing out you know things uh, ideas conceptually with with people but it is about relating right and oftentimes we come in going like i can't stand that person they don't and then that person should, and then we have all these gripes because of our you know previous interactions or whatever just our position in that in that group but if you can zoom out and be like well we all are here this all of these people have chosen to be here or are here for whatever reason and it's their their place mm -hmm. and if i approach it like that i have to find a new way to relate in order to be here in a in a resilient or compassionate or even just kind of copacetic way yeah because i know when i go into charged situations if something's like got my number on it i will react yeah yeah and sometimes you know there's a learning curve there yeah well one of the things that emerged from our workshop the other day on new year's day uh, what what one of the participants mentioned afterwards someone who's very goal oriented and and very successful um, at making things happen was that it's enough to just be doing and not need for it to be something else. And I think about our, you know, our, our pet dog and the other animals that live in our uh, woodland environs here. And for them, it is enough to get up to find something to eat, to walk around, to sniff, see who else has been around, interact with them if they happen to bump into go them. Go get it. Bring it back. You know, go get it. Bring it back. Go to sleep. Yeah. You know, stretch. And that that just living is an adequate way of living. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there there but doesn't I also need to be yeah. so much judgment and yeah. so much accomplishment while yeah. those things are just a net there they are a natural outcome of us we we yeah. like to do things and when we do things things get accomplished yeah but that's the maybe the right order we, when we like to do things things get accomplished I, you know i i agree with that and also just to speak to people who might have argument with that and say like, but you have to, you have to have a goal in order to accomplish things. It's like th that is also the sort of binary that I think has to get a little bit looser where, you know, it's, oh, it's really good to have an intention and, you know, even a goal, as long as you're willing to also just be in the, in the, you know, waking up and having your tea and doing your day and having your play and you know, the things that make each activity kind of have uh, um, not just a rote quality to it you know it's like things you get through in order to get to your goal yeah you know because but that, to open to possibilities but that you know and there's that course correction idea that you know if you 
you know, you wake up every day and you remember, I mean, I think that that's a really good piece of practice is to just remember what the heck your intention was. Because I don't know, if you, if you set it too narrowly and you just think it's like, it just becomes so um, schematic, it can become very schematic, and then you lose sight of it when it doesn't happen and you kind of have your normal reaction. Mm-hmm. But there's this focusing and then there's this living and then you know you remember what your focus was and then you live a little bit more and i keep having this this um i don't know what the actual quote is but like live into the questions or live into the intention it's kind of like that you know there's there's like the big picture and the spaciousness and then there's like here i am slogging it out with like learning my scales or whatever mm-hmm yeah. You know, and then that yeah. moment of playing the beautiful music comes like kind of once in a while. Right, right. I like that you brought it back to music because I was thinking from what you were saying about um, the Rick Rubin uh, book on creativity that he published a couple of years ago and did so many interviews when that book came out. And it was fascinating to watch that as he kept doing interviews, at one point, he said to the um, interviewee, I, I think it was Ezra Klein was the first place I heard this when he was on Ezra Klein's show. They were having a little bit of a rough conversation to start. And he said, would you mind doing something? And Ezra said, no. And he said, let's just sit for a minute doing a little breathing. And so just to do nothing and then see what conversation emerged from that. And then I noticed afterwards he was doing that on almost every interview that he conducted. No. Oh, Rick. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And then I also heard that when he does productions with people, they start their sessions that same way. It's like, let's create space, possibility, openness, no direction, and then proceed from there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that is right there yoga, right? Because there's, there's something that emerges from nothing and there's something that we do and there's something that we stop doing. There's hot and there's cold and there's, I mean, it's in, it's in most of the practices that we do is to establish the, to establish the binary in order to go beyond the binary, right? The, yeah, that that's, you know. And I loved the, um, in this, how the universe works discovery channel show that popped back up on our uh, on our mm-hmm. feed that um the one scientist i can't remember his name right now klein yeah, i don't remember and um you know was describing the big bang in exactly those terms you start with nothing there's mm-hmm. nothing and from that comes everything like yeah in just an instant everything. And so like when we create, we're like re replaying the big bang in our own micro level, right? right? The microcosm, macrocosm. So the macrocosm did that. And we, as part of it, are able to do the same thing by stopping and allowing. Yeah. And, and by being in alignment with the thing that is, that primary thing that mm-hmm. is, and remembering it. Yeah, I think that's a great place to uh, stop as a launching pad for the new year. Yeah, happy new year. Happy new year. Om Tat Sat. Om Tat Sat. All right. Namaste.
Namaste, Peter. Please support Peter's podcast on patreon.com. Review the podcast. And I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Namaste. Namaste.